Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Matt Abel. Clean listeners, welcome to the 82nd episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, where we bring you the latest in North Carolina clean energy news, policy, and more every two weeks. And thanks for joining us on the first episode of 2023. Wow, it feels so surreal to say that. It's that wonderful time of year where it takes about a month or so to stop writing the previous year when dating anything. I tell you though, 2022 was a doozy. We had so much going on in the clean energy space here in North Carolina, the Southeast, and across the country. Clean energy is finally getting its much-deserved time in the spotlight. We're going mainstream, although we still have a long way to go. However, with all the recent developments, many within the space have been keeping busy between the Carbon Plan proceedings, the Inflation Reduction Act, FERC orders, and numerous utility commission proceedings. And 2023 is already shaping up to be an even busier year So buckle up, get ready, because we've got so much content ahead of us. And on today's episode, we're bringing you a conversation with a guest who's giving us the latest on consumer sentiment towards EVs in the Old North State. In particular, we talk about overall perceptions of EVs, advantages and barriers to adoption, and talk about how North Carolina stacks up against other states in the country. So stay tuned for that conversation after a few short updates. And the big news of the past few weeks has been the carbon plan order we just received from the North Carolina Utilities Commission on December 30th, just before the legislatively mandated deadline. We're including a link to the order in today's show notes, but want to mention that while the order does suggest some positive near-term actions to help us get closer to the 70% emissions reductions goal by 2030, it does authorize the utilities to move forward with natural gas facilities does not direct the deployment of nearly as many renewables as groups like NCSEA advocated for during the proceedings. Our team is currently reviewing everything in the order to determine exactly what it means for the state of the electricity market moving forward. We'll also be releasing an episode shortly that dives into more detail on the topic. And in other big utility news over the past few weeks, North Carolina recently experienced our own rolling blackouts that have been so common to western states in more recent years. These rolling blackouts stem from winter storm Elliott, which brought some bitter cold weather to the southeast and across the country. While the utility had more than 10 days to prepare for this event, it seems the system was not equipped to handle the cold weather in North Carolina, leading to short outages for a large number of customers throughout Duke operating territory, with very little communication or advance notice from the utility themselves. After a hearing earlier this week at the North Carolina Utilities Commission, Duke outlined exactly what led to this historic moment for the utility here in the Carolinas. According to the utility, there were some challenges associated with the modeling, which was based on a historic regression model and not equipped to account for historic cold weather events like what we experienced. The utility also shared that existing coal and natural gas facilities were scaled back due to equipment failures associated with the freezing cold weather. Notably, the utility also stated in the hearing that solar assets performed as expected throughout the outages. Although the peak load occurred while the sun was set, therefore solar was not a generation asset deployed at the critical period of time. However, it's important to note this, given that some have provided a false narrative that solar and renewables were to blame for the rolling outages. 
That's simply not the case, according to publicly available data via the EIA. And for our attorneys listening in, NCSEA just announced the dates for the 2023 Continuing Legal Education event focused on clean energy in the Southeast. If you haven't attended this event in the past, it's the go-to for anything clean energy policy and regulation within North Carolina and beyond. This year, in particular, will be focused on HOAs and rooftop solar, the South Carolina RTO study, FERC Order 2222, and of course, the Carbon Plan. This is a great way for attorneys to earn up to six of their required CLE credits and for everyone else to stay up to date on everything going on in clean energy. This year's event will take place on February 23rd in Raleigh. Make sure to mark your calendars and register today at energync.org. Okay, on to the show. As mentioned, we're excited to welcome on a guest who knows best when it comes to EVs and how consumers feel about those vehicles here in the state of North Carolina. I'm so excited to welcome them on to talk about their latest report and what it means as we try to reach North Carolina's goal of 1.25 million EVs on the road by 2030. All right, without further ado, let's welcome on our guest. Clean energy. Our guest works with the national campaign Electrify Your Ride for the organization Generation 180. She works very closely with Generation 180's network of EV ambassadors through many events and activities. Our guest focuses on developing effective partnerships through outreach and recruitment. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Shakea Cooper, Program Associate with Generation 180 to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Shakea, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. And so just to to get started, can you tell us a little bit more about Generation 180 and the work that you specifically do for the organization? Yes, Generation 180 is a national nonprofit organization um, working to inspire and equip individuals to take action on clean energy. We're working to flip the energy script, right? And so helping us move from a narrative focused on climate doom and gloom to a story focused on where we need to go, a world that is powered by 100% clean energy, which is a story that says we can do this and we all play a role. We lead two major nationwide campaigns, Solar for All Schools and Electrify Your Ride, which Electrify Your Ride is the campaign that I work directly with, and it works to make EVs more accessible. And so we focus on solar and EVs because they are the clean energy solutions proven to address two of the largest carbon dioxide sources which is buildings and transportation emissions. And so with Electrify Your Ride campaign, I work very closely with our program director, Stuart Gardner, and we're working to popularize electric vehicles and make them more accessible for all. We have many avenues in which we spread our messaging. So we do it through educational events, empowering EV owners to become EV ambassadors in their communities, as well as partnering with regional and national influencers um, and supporting clean energy policies through surveys and reports. So what sets... Generation 180 apart from other organizations working in the clean energy space? So, you know, I think there are many organizations that do great work and they focus on those clean energy policies and laws. But here at Generation 180, we really lean into that human element. And so we look to uplift our EV drivers as ambassadors and we offer them a space to tell their stories. And so we focus on that education element that busts EV myths and inspires individuals who haven't yet switched to EVs. And Part of the reason why we're having the conversation here today is that your organization just published a report titled North Carolina Drives Electric, 
focused on providing a state-of-the-state look at the progress made in EV adoption, along with some of the barriers that also exist in North Carolina. So at a high level, can you tell us about the report and some of its findings? Yes, absolutely. Um, Generation 180 conducted a statewide representative survey. We surveyed about 1,200 everyday North Carolinians, and we were looking to understand their perception around EVs. And so what we found with the survey was nearly two-thirds of North Carolinians had a positive view of electric vehicles. Other interesting findings were more than half of North Carolina residents are likely to consider an EV for their next car, and about two-thirds of North Carolinians support transitioning away from fossil fuels towards a clean energy source. And so what that showed us was that the support for EVs in North Carolina is very strong. That is really exciting. You know, I know five years ago, working in the EV space myself, it was really just a lot of education and and teaching people what electric vehicles were, you know, dispelling a lot of the, the myths and rumors about those vehicles. And now we're seeing a groundswell of support for those vehicles in the market now as customers see the benefits really, you know, as part of their overall cost of ownership, knowing that those vehicles are much more uh, affordable over the life of the vehicle itself due to maintenance and fuel costs. And honestly, they're just a a much more fun driving experience uh, as a a previous EV owner myself. So stepping back a little bit from from the report, you know, given that Generation 180 focuses on a number of, of states and national level issues, Why did your organization decide to publish a report focused on the state of EVs in North Carolina? So I think we decided to focus on EV driving in North Carolina because the state, as you can tell, is really well positioned to benefit from transportation electrification. And specifically around, you know, North Carolina currently ranks sixth in the nation when it comes to spending the highest percentage of income on gas. And so residents really stand that benefit economically by switching to EV driving. When you think about things like more and more automakers are building EV plants in the state. So there's already some electrification momentum. Automakers such as Toyota, VinFast, and Thomas Built Buses, they're all going to be adding great paying jobs in the state by bringing their manufacturing plants there. And other benefits that stand for North Carolinian residents is experiencing lower pollution and fewer health problems as the result of transitioning to EVs. But also because electric cars don't spew out any exhaust, you're immediately cutting back on the climate harming emissions as well. Yeah, and you 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 nailed it. You know, North Carolina and and really the Southeast as a whole has become a hub for EV manufacturing as we've seen over the past year or two numerous numerous new ev manufacturing announcements made you know here in north carolina but also in places like georgia and tennessee um and and all throughout the southeast which is really exciting to see this you know massive amount of investment and seeing that these vehicles are being made right here in our backyard which also helps with some of that perception around evs so as somebody that is well versed in the clean energy and ev space and has been in this space, you know, what findings from this report stood out most to you? So, you know, Matt, I think all of the findings were great, just learning just what the perception from North Carolinians are, but specifically North Carolinians responded that 81% of them have either read some or a lot about electric vehicles. And then in addition to that finding, when you kind of step back and you look at the perception, which was positive, about 65% of them responded it being a positive perception. And so what that 
what that tells Generation 180 is that we, we can come in and kind of help turn that positive perception into action. And so we can help those everyday consumers learn more about EVs, what they have to gain, and how to make that switch so that that number of North Carolinians that have read about electric vehicles can increase and that number of perception can increase as well. And then we also found that 69% of the survey respondents support North Carolina offering an EV incentive for individuals, whether buying or leasing an EV. And so what we see with this is that this suggests that many are willing to make the switch as long as there's some support around financial incentives, resources in order to do that. Yeah. And we've seen, for example, in other states like Georgia, where um, the implementation of an EV tax credit has really helped to propel the electric vehicle market in, in that state, right? And so as North Carolina looks to hit our goal of 1.25 million EVs on the road by 2030, you know, it, it'll be important to explore all of the policy and programmatic mechanisms that we have to be able to grow the EV market as fast as possible. So, Let's dive in a little bit deeper to some of the biggest reasons why someone would consider an EV in North Carolina. What did you hear from respondents about why they would be interested in and why they might view EVs favorably? Yes. So we found the biggest reasons for people to consider getting an EV were the fact that they could save on maintenance costs. You know, electric vehicles cost less over time than gas-powered cars. And so because they require less maintenance and costs to power the vehicle, then it becomes lower. In addition to that, the survey also showed, you know, again, that getting financial incentive and discount was the next highest, as well as the convenience of charging at home would also motivate people to drive electric. And so something else that was really interesting was we also found that half of the overall respondents lived in rural counties. And there's a lot of research that shows, you know, today that rural commuters can benefit the most from cost savings because of how much they drive, especially when you think about maintenance and fuel costs. Well, what good timing then that we we saw the uh, Inflation Reduction Act pass earlier this year that includes incentives for EV drivers for the, the purchase of a new or used EV, you know, starting here in 2023. So, you know, hopefully that will push a number of those respondents and just the uh, number of drivers on the road towards purchasing an EV moving forward. And it's interesting too that you, you talk about rural drivers as well. You know, we have some really, really progressive utilities in, in rural parts of the state here in North Carolina that have already started offering uh, EV-specific programs to their customers like Roanoke Electric Cooperative or uh, Wake EMC, uh, where they have specific EV rates for, for customers that want to charge their vehicles during certain times of the day. They also help with the purchasing of new EV charging infrastructure, like a charger for their garage. So, Really, really cool stuff to see and really interesting to hear that rural drivers are also interested in, in that as well. So, you know, we talk about some of the reasons why people might consider an EV. What are some of the, on the on the opposite hand, like what are some of the biggest barriers that, that we saw in this report that would maybe prevent somebody from purchasing an EV? So I would say a few of the barriers that we saw were, of course, inventory, right? We're just coming out of COVID and then upfront cost, which I think that as we navigate the Inflation Reduction Act, and once, you know, the the policies around that are laid out, I think that'll fix some of that upfront cost, you know, and kind of allow people to be more comfortable with making that transition. And then just the availability to charge in, you know, which you kind of mentioned, 
the, the programs that you all have in North Carolina that are starting to pop up that could help with that as well. And so those were kind of the biggest barriers that we saw when doing the research for this report. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's seeming that inventory issues are starting to get better as we come out of the pandemic and also the uh, supply chain around uh, chip manufacturing catches up. And we're also working on kind of shoring up the the actual battery manufacturing for EVs here in, in the U.S. through things like the CHIPS Act in North Carolina also has a lot of companies within the supply chain uh, for battery manufacturing as well. So I think as a lot of these things continue to to build out over the next couple of years, that the inventory issue will become less and less of a problem and also will help with some of that upfront pricing as well, especially as we've seen some manufacturers recently announce some really, really cost-effective new EVs on the market, like you know Chevy introducing a, like a $30,000 uh, SUV that's an EV as well. So lots of really exciting things coming up. So based on the findings of, of this report, how does North Carolina stack up against other states in the Southeast and in the country? So we would say compared to other states, North Carolina does have, you know, like I said earlier, that great electric vehicle momentum, but it does rank 10th in the nation for registered EVs with just about 48,000 registrations only makes up about 3% of cars on the road, EV cars on the road. And so, you know, that's a great start, but North Carolina has plenty of room for growth. Um, And so I think the report describes that steady influx of manufacturing investment, which I know we've talked about that many of times during this conversation um, in North Carolina, you know, and just going back to companies like Thomas Built Buses and VinFast, as I mentioned, but also establishing that North Carolina as an EV manufacturing hub, which I know we mentioned that earlier too, will not only position um, North Carolina to expand in terms of EV owners and drivers, but it also would just bring that great economic development and job opportunities for North Carolinians. Yeah, absolutely. Based on the findings of this report, what are some of the recommendations or actions that Generation 180 would suggest North Carolina taking to expand the EV market? Generation 180, you know, would encourage North Carolinians to consider driving electric. If you don't own an EV yet, this is your opportunity to go test drive one at your local dealership. Um, You know, we don't really focus much on policy, but we do hope to see state leaders continue to take you know, more steps to making it easier for people to make that transition to electric. And then we do also encourage our EV owners that are already EV drivers and live in North Carolina to get out and talk to other people, right? Talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends, and just tell them about why you love driving your EV. And then for those EV drivers that are wanting to be a little bit more impactful, you know, we have an ambassador program with Generation 180. They can certainly sign up and that can be another way to be an influencer and just uplift them, similar to what we have done in our report. Speaking of EV drivers in North Carolina, I know Generation 180 has done a, a great job of uplifting and putting a, a, a focus on some of the folks that already are driving EVs and talking about and featuring some of the benefits that they've experienced from driving EVs. What are some of the, the stories or things that you're hearing in, in those conversations with individual EV drivers? You know, it's it's been a wide range of things. Just going back to the report, we were even able to showcase some of those EV drivers already in North Carolina. Um, and we heard things like, you know, I was an early adopter. You know, I enjoyed the education. I enjoy educating others once I made that transition. You know, it's fun to drive. You know, we heard a plethora of different reasons. Some EV drivers said it was great not having to stop at a gas station or 
I didn't have to take my car to get maintenance as much. Or they talked about the torque, how fast the EV drives or the quickness or the accessibility to just come home and plug in, right? You don't have to stop, again, not having to stop at that gas station. Um, so a lot of it was just, you know, convenience, fun, and just wanting to be a part of the, the clean energy messaging as well. As, as somebody who who has driven many EVs um, and had an EV myself, I can attest to all of those benefits and how great that you know they, they are. So for for generation 180 is is this report one of, of future reports to come? Are there going to be updates to the data and information that you've collected here in North Carolina? Yes. So generally our goal as we branch into another state is, you know, we'll start with a report and a survey similar to what we've, what we've done. And then we just continue to build off of that. So, you know, it could just be in survey update. Hey, you know, North Carolinians still want EVs. Let's continue to support it. You know, if there's ever a time where there are policies and questions, so maybe, you know, they're wanting a policy to get rid of, that's where, that's where we really have that update of the report or a survey to just really push the messaging like, hey, don't get rid of this. You know, residents still want it in your state. So I think it could be both. We definitely will do a, a survey update, but we kind of measure just what the what the return on investment is just in, in general of what the advocacy looks like in that moment. So certainly a, a survey update and then with hopes of a report. But if it's not in the next year, then it's within the next few years to say like, this is where we started and this is where it has went. You know, the data from this most recent report is is fascinating. And I would encourage anybody listening to this episode of the podcast to to go ahead and give that report a read. We'll include a link to it in the show notes for, for more detail on kind of consumer sentiment with EVs in North Carolina and just the, the fascinating, you know, overall sort of support that we see from from North Carolinians for for EVs is, is great. So, Shakea, I, I commend you and your team for all of the work that you've put into making this report possible and sharing that with groups like ourselves and, and listeners here on the podcast. So, Shakea, thank you so much for joining on this episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a joy. And my key takeaway from today's episode is that North Carolina consumers are rearing and ready to go when it comes to the electric vehicle revolution. We just need to make sure those vehicles are available to them and at a sticker price that's comparable to their ICE counterparts. And fortunately, the Inflation Reduction Act will play a big role in that, given that the expansion of the EV tax credits just went into effect here on January 1st. As we've seen, collaboration across sectors has been critical to creating market conditions that lead to a groundswell of adoption in almost every industry. The federal government has already stepped up to provide EV tax credits. Manufacturers are producing more EV models than ever before. Utilities are starting to offer more and more EV specific programs and charging companies are deploying record amounts of chargers. And if you're an EV fan, then there's never been a better time for this industry. Stay tuned as we'll continue to provide updates on the growth of the EV sector here in North Carolina. And okay, One more ask before we wrap up January. If you've been listening to this podcast for some time and enjoy what you hear, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. Your contributions and those of your clean energy neighbors help to make programming like this possible. Now, through the end of January, we're conducting a campaign that's dependent on your support to help ensure we're as prepared as possible to be able to handle what is shaping up to be a busy, busy 2023. Your support is instrumental to a strong clean energy showing at the North Carolina Utilities Commission and North Carolina General Assembly. 
Make sure to visit energync.org for more information on our annual giving campaign and to find out how you can help support today. All right, that's it. See y'all later.